Welcome to episode two of the Safe Triple Travel Guide to Love Craft Country, brought to you by the Black Tribbles. My name is Len, aka the Bat Tribble. And as always, I am joined by our lovely host right there. There and there. Right there. Right there. 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 Yeah, me. I'll go. Hi. I'm Gabe. How are you? It's Monday. It's, yes, it's Monday, a long Monday. Uh, or also known as the day after Lovecraft Country comes out. <laughs> just, just makes you closer to the next one. Uh, yeah, I'm the Horror Triple, your you know, favorite ghoul gone bad, your goth girlfriends, whatever you want. I'm here. Talk about spooky stuff. <laughs> okay. And then we have her. What's up, good people? It's the Amazon Pixie herself. You're Amalgam Tribble, a.k.a. Uncanny Tribble, a.k.a. Bruce Leroy Tribble. Show enough. Thank you. In the building, <laughs> ready to talk about Lovecraft Country. Gabe is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> call and response, no. Gabe is like, I thought the call oh, and response was just for Thursday night. I didn't know I needed <laughs> it. I didn't study. <laughs> Not even my own. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are here to, to bring you our weekly review of HBO's new series, Lovecraft Country. And we are reviewing the episode that premiered last night, episode two, White is on the Moon. Teleplay by Misha Green, directed by Daniel Sackheim. The, the synopsis, inexplicably recovered from their terrifying night, Letty and George luxuriate in their new surroundings as the, they our trio stumble upon a clue that could lead them to Atticus father Montrose. Um, this was last night's episode which introduced us into the family Braithwaite here in Artem, Massachusetts here in, and this stop on love in Lovecraft country. I've done my part. I'm here to just talk. I love it. I'm going to let Gabe and Ariel take it from here. Where you want to go, ladies, with Whitey's On the Moon? Um, I'll start. Uh, since we're on the title of the episode, Whitey's On the Moon, um, which uh, at, uh, later on in the episode, we actually get to the poem, which the episode is named after Whitey's On the Moon. Um, and Again, this is like, this is the second time that they've done something like this. Um, like last week, I talked about uh, the, the excerpt from James Baldwin and them kind of putting it over the activities of the show. And then this this week, they do it again. Now, my my complaint last week was that I felt like too much was going on for you to also expect me to really listen and take in what James Baldwin is saying. And I think... Uh, just how because I, I hold James Baldwin in such high esteem 
Like I always give a full ear to him. Yeah, it created so like I a disconnect thought, for you, if I remember. Right. It was just hard for me. It's like, I, I can't listen to James Baldwin and also watch what's happening on screen because James Baldwin requires my full attention. Mm-hmm. Um, with this episode, like I appreciated what they were trying to do with Whitey's on the Moon and and kind of, again, this idea of like all these like privileged white men standing around sacrificing this black man This you know that I'm sure came from more or less humble means for their own amusement and uh, their own need, um, which I think is, a, is a, a, a constant theme in this as far as like um, kind of white people watching right. black people right. almost as right. if it's entertainment. And so that poem, I do feel like completely encapsulates what what the feeling is of the scene of like, you know, we, we're in suffering and Whitey's on the moon. I can barely pay my rent, but Whitey's on the moon. Like I get that. But again, but for me, I get it, but it doesn't quite work. And it's just jarring. Hmm. And, and, and for me, I just so I find myself being like, I almost wish that they would include those excerpts as like the the credit music. Oh, so really? instead of having music that takes you out, having having the poem take you out, having James Baldwin take you out of the episode as you're kind of, and I, you know, that I think would also encourage people to like watch through, the, like watch through the credits because it's like, oh wait, what is this? This is interesting. I want to hear that, right? As opposed to it just being a recurring song. That's I just, I don't, yeah, I just, it's just, I don't know what it is that is taking me out of the action because mm-hmm. it's, again requiring my full attention on someone else's spoken word. You get what I'm saying? That's, that's that's interesting. You feel how do you feel about uh that aspect of the show from last night? And, and I guess it it's a certainly a recurring um aspect of the show's Gabe. Yeah, it's it's actually funny. It was one of two things that I noticed in the episode that made me think of the Ariel when I was watching. Um when it was happening, I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, this is like what Ariel talked about. So I was, I was interested to, to hear how you felt. <laughs> At the beginning, um, when it first came up and he, he, it was a narration, he was like interesting it. Um, it was that was a little jarring because I was like, wait, who's talking? And I it, okay. and for a minute I was like, do I have something playing that like isn't here? But as soon as we got into like the actual music, um and we're like seeing and and the fact that like this scene is a little different is different from the book itself his ancestor in the like uh mirror thing um and just kind of see it all falling apart and having that like i enjoyed that similar and i do like there's a few things that like misha green is weaving throughout right um right that keep it similar and so that the other thing that i thought of that um <laughs> I thought of Ariel for but actually when um uh uh Letty fucking Lewis wakes back up from being shot, right? So uh when she has that moment and just has this complete breakdown and like is in the like, in the bathroom just like losing it because like she was dead. Like I right. was dead, here I am, what like what in the hell's going on? Right. And I, I I thought it was such a a human an honest reaction that you don't get in like supernatural or science fiction or horror. A lot of the time people just, and like our adrenaline rush, just keep going. We forget that we have wounds um, or like, Oh, we're healed now. So all the problems are gone. And it wasn't that it was very much like, Whoa. Um, And I felt like that was similar to like her running in the first episode where it was like very human, just like, this is how humans run. This is how humans react. 
And right. I felt like that was like beautiful in that. <laughs> so those are two things where I was just like, Ariel. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? So that's interesting. And I guess for you, you know, being the horror expert, so you're, the whole point of your movies is to have a very human reaction to the scary thing. But where I like this, I like the supernatural. I like the superhero. So again, like you mentioned, supernatural, like Sam and Dean die all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's almost like old hat. It's like, oh, those they're dead again. Oh, those Winchesters. You know what I mean? So, but but we're never getting a real honest reaction to like the horror of like this is not how our world works. Like, what the heck is going on? These are not the rules of our universe. And and having like a really honest reaction, um, I like I I definitely agree with that. Uh, and and but it's funny, like I I just kind of took that as is. It didn't. Um, but again, that that dig on those voiceovers are just driving me crazy. But but to your point about how that scene played out, as far as Hannah being in the window. I mean, wait, so do we want to, do we want to jump there? Or do we want to dial back a little bit? Cause I guess that is the <laughs> yeah. of the episode. Well, the one, only thing I want to say is just in regards to what you were saying, Ariel, as far as like, you know, them using Gil Scott Heron and James Baldwin from episode one, Nerd Soul, who was uh, watching on YouTube, shout out, what's up, uh, said it's weird, never felt that way in the first or second episode. I was like, oh word, they added Mo Blackness. Um, and I actually kind of you know uh champion that that same vibe especially uh especially in episode two was because to your point um gabe how you hear kind of like the intro to the introduction to gil scott heron getting ready to say the poem um that is overlaid the scene which is coming, if I remember correctly, like a crane shot into the room where Atticus is about to be, you know, sacrificed. So to me, it was almost like you were enter, you were, as you were entering the space in which Gil Scott Heron is about to deliver this poem, you are also entering into this space where the illustration of the poem is about to take place. And then I thought that the poem worked even better than last week's uh, use of James Baldwin because, you know, Whitey on the Moon is speaking about, you know, it's speaking about black people or, or, or being, dealing with, you know, like everything and just having it being sucked dry and 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 having their taxes being sucked dry and their and their their access to health care being being uh sucked dry um just so a white man can be on the moon that's where all of our tax dollars that's where all our blood sweat and tears go to and and juxtapose against this black man who because of his birthright is supposed to be like your boss, but no, you are going to steal his life force so that you can get paradise. I thought the juxtaposition of that was actual, actual, uh, actually very beautiful. And I, and I appreciate the use of the smoke, the spoken word to become the score of these scenes, uh, because that just adds a lot more, power to the scenes for for yeah. me 
And I get that. And I just, just to clarify, I'll say, I get it. Like I understand what it was doing in both situations. I just personally don't like it. It was jarring for me. Like Gabe said, like initially I was like, who's talking? Like, you know what I mean? Because right, right. it, it just came out of nowhere. And I, I, I was like, wait, okay. Oh, oh, if they're doing that again. And so it, again, it just took me out of it where I, I you know, I, I like, again, I, I do think um, both of those pieces, I think made sense of course, I just wish maybe they could have been utilized in a different way because the way that they did it was jarring for me and actually took me out of the experience. Uh, uh, George Kimono wants to know, do you have any love for the Jefferson's theme song? Um, ag- <laughs> again, jarring. And I think I didn't say, or maybe I did say this last episode, I can't remember, but in the fir- in the last episode, episode number one, Sundown, they actually have that like hip hop mm-hmm. song playing while Atticus is like, you know, walking through the street. And it's like, I get it. That that bass is heavy. He, you know, he he's a man came back from war. He, he, you know, he looking for his dad. He not here for your bullshit. Like, I get it. But it's jarring because it's the 1950s, right? right. And so again, even with the Jeffersons, I get it. And, it. and it makes sense in cultural context because I'm a Black person in 2020. So I understand the Jeffersons and why it's you know, relatable to what's happening here in 1954, but it's the motherfucking Jeffersons <laughs> in 1954, and it's just jarring, right? So again, it's just these. For me, it's it. Even though it's supernatural, it's still a period piece, and so I almost want them to stay in their period, and they just kind of keep jumping ship a little bit in different ways that take me out of the experience a little bit so it's just jarring you know what i mean not that i you know i appreciate every all of those pieces jefferson's included it just it took me out of what i was watching i got you so there's that yeah i i really like the the that scene especially um because it it was such a a a weird it it was almost like a whiplash right from Mm -hmm what we ended on last episode and then we're in this and we're like, why are they excited? And then, you, you know, finding out like that they don't remember and that, you know, it still, still doesn't really, I don't really buy it. Cause even without having known like about the monsters, I still don't believe that they would be fine being in like rich white people house where all their stuff is what they want. Like that seems odd to me as, as a, characters that we've seen that seem like they kind of knew what was going on in the world right (laughs) I mean I think you know especially at that day and age it's like you all you have to be suspicious of white people especially white people who are treating you kindly like because it's like what is you know what is going on you know what I mean so I do think um in the book I think they do a good job of showing or Matt Ruff does a good job of showing their kind of you know, excitement burning underneath because they're in this big fancy house, you know, in the book, Letitia goes through the closet. Um, I think Atticus and Uncle George kind of peruse the bookshelves and they're like a little bit in awe, but all of that is burning underneath this suspicion that is the predominant, the predominant thing. And I, I agree that even if they had no memory of the monsters in the forest, you still be like, who are these white people? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because that's that's the question that keeps you safe, right? That keeps you, you know, you, you alive another day. So I think I did think that rang a little bit false in that, but it was still it was funny to get those montages, and then specifically 
when you find out, oh shoot, they don't remember, only Atticus does, I thought that brought to mind, again, maybe that just kind of being Atticus's birthright, like they cannot affect Atticus in the same way, or this magic, this, you know, this alchemy that they do does not affect Atticus because of who he is, because at the end of the day, he is the, you know, he comes from like the, the, the backbone of it, right. This, that this is his legacy. Right. right. So it's all these other people who know how to wield it, but it's like, yeah, but you, you still borrowing off of my legacy. Um, so I thought that was like a cool thing um, that really empowers him um, in this setting. You know what I mean? And, and maybe again, I think maybe that's why they're also a little bit afraid of him. Like they don't really want to deal with them, but they recognize like what, is locked away like in his genetic code you know yeah, yeah. yeah. they don't want him to know that he has that either like it's right. it's a secret as well they just want to yeah. use him there's a lot that happens in this episode and you know one of the the only critiques i've seen is that it does feel like there's a lot smashed in together and that's and so people are like what is this like it this because a lot of this these scenes like especially like at the the climax of this episode it feels like a finale type moment like if this were like a longer series right uh we might have taken a lot more time and spent time in there and done some investigating or, or what have you but even in the book, this scene was pretty quick because, again, it's an anthology, and so we have to move on to the next mm -hmm. piece. Um, so, like, as a as a book reader watching it, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I just I know what's going on. I already know the secrets. So it's like it's really interesting for me. So, like, Len, as as someone who didn't read, how did you like? Was it exciting to kind of like have uh, those reveals? Um, did you feel like it was anything at all? I enjoyed it a lot. Um, now, I do have to say I did have the knowledge, though I haven't read the book, I did have the knowledge that it was an anthology. So when I peeped that, oh, we're already leaving the leaving the castle. <laughs> OK, all right. Then this must be, you know, a chapter in the book, um, because like to your point, you we easily in a lot of other stories would have been in this this castle for at least two three episodes you know i mean they just came to the door at the end of the last episode and now they yeah. have knocked down the door and the walls and the floor at the end of this episode you know what i mean so um but i appreciated that i appreciate uh, one thing i i i like in a show is that it does not it it it, it does not take its audience for granted and and think that there are they are too slow to catch up or catch on with what's going on. So this show does not spoon feed you anything. Um, it drops a little bit. It drops things here and there, uh, and then you'll either pick it up or they will, you know, uh, 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 flesh it out later down the line. Um, and I and I appreciated that. I like the whole deal with um, the whole deal with Christina and and Samuel and the, and like their whole relationship. Uh, you, you know, you were introduced to her last last week, and she easily could have been like this protagonist for the rest of the show. And who knows, maybe she is. But uh, she is in and out and dealing with her own type of stuff. Dealing with you know. Uh, 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 this the daughter 
of this dude who's got this all boys club and you know you know that already seems kind of effed up i just i just love the brevity i just love this the swiftness of everything um i love the acting i mean yo that i'm not gonna lie that final scene whoo that was rough it was it was rough on my my eyes was sweating a little bit on that one, man. I ain't even yeah. I ain't even gonna bullshit you. I was I was like, yo, man, this 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 is not supposed to get me in my feels like this. Lovecraft Country, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, yes, I love it. I didn't see it coming either. Even with like the <laughs> very ominous first episode with Uncle George being like, you know, on the next one we're gonna go together. And like kind of setting that up, I was like, Oh yeah, you might as well say that you're a week from retirement. Like you can't be saying that on a horror show. What are yeah. you doing? <laughs> right. You um, know what? And that was that was your horror expertise because I didn't even really pick up on that until you said it last up last uh last hour episode. And I was like, Well, yeah. I was like, Yeah, it was kind of ominous. Something <laughs> might happen to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But even when it like even when it was I just like I, I think, you know, other than you know, so, some of the edgier TV or like Game of Thrones, we don't really, we're not often confronted with characters dying and, and not so quickly mm-hmm. and not ones that we're forced to be, you know, emotionally connected to and the same way some of the, those edgier shows do. And so I was really like, I guess I had like regular TV glasses on <laughs> or I was like, it's going to be <laughs> fine or like Sam and Dean glasses, like people don't die for real. They come back. <laughs> um, and like, you know, it, it, and that scene was was super emotional. But there's a lot of differences from uh, the book, again, that we're seeing. Uh, and I'm wondering, like, I, I would, I really want to just pick Nisha Green's book, uh, brain too, is like, because this is now the second character we've seen where she's changed the gender of them. Right. Uh, oh, and that's so right. Yeah. is actually supposed to be Caleb Braithwaite. And and it makes me really, really interested in how that character is going to develop because she's completely different. Like she right. has different motives. She has different, like a different backstory, a different hate or like understanding of her bloodline and, and her place in in this society. And so it's it's going to be really interesting to see how she kind of comes back into the story if she comes back in the story. Um, it was weird to see her with the given birth to weird... Yeah. Yeah. She's, a new, she's a new mother, apparently. She's not the mother. <laughs> like, I gotta get out there, my baby. Um, that was yeah, icky. So, yeah, it was. But so, so yeah, so Christina, so of course I have that note, Christina Braithwaite is Caleb Braithwaite and making Caleb a woman does change so much of the subtext of the story, right? So now mm-hmm. we're now in addition to dealing with racism, now it's like, oh, the patriarchy, because again, and I think what's interesting in this is like, so we have two people who this legacy is their birthright, but neither of them are welcome to it because mm-hmm. one is a black man and one is a white woman. Wow. Um, and so yeah. the fact that these are two people who are not really welcome in this world, though they are, it is their legacy as well. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And so again, her not being welcome in the spaces, which is very different because in the book, Samuel and Caleb do not get along, but Caleb at the end of the day is a man and is is therefore welcome in most spaces. I think when they do that final ceremony in the book, Caleb is not there. And I think because his father didn't want him there, but Mm -hmm. Caleb also didn't want to be there. So 
Um, but I actually have a theory, um, which is very different from anything the book gave us. But as I'm watching the show and, you know, the first time we see Christina is when she steps out the Daimler and when they crash the, the fire truck and the truck, that, the other right. truck that was pursuing them. From episode one. And I remember thinking like, who the heck is that? Because that's not <laughs> yeah, Kayla, <laughs> right? Um, but and then when we get to the manor and William answers the door, I was immediately struck by the fact that Christina and William look very, like they could have been twins or at the very least siblings. Yeah. And I actually had to watch the show twice. Um a, because I'm finding when I watch it just once, I don't like the episode. And then it's the second time that it really clicks for some reason. Hmm. Um, I think on my first watching, it always feels manic. Like, because it's so much faster than the book to me. And then it's only on the second time that I can really take it in. Okay. Um, so that's one thing. But watching it the second time, I just was like, let me watch and make note. You never see William and Christina at the same time. Um, and specifically... George, when Atticus asks Christina, who is William to you? Um, and she says, uh, boy sometimes. No, not even a boy sometimes. Um, she says definitely a boy and a friend, uh, something like that, or a friend, friend sometimes. sometimes. Yeah, because right. he says this to your boyfriend. Yeah, no, uh, so, Will, oh, no, I'm sorry. William describes himself as a close personal friend of Christina. And given again, with my knowledge of the book and what happens with Ruby, I mm -hmm. think I think Christina and William are the same person. And I think Christina uses William to gain access in, in spaces that she would not usually be welcome in. Um, because I also thought it was interesting that throughout, I always feel like William is giving hints, but hints that William, if he was really just a servant or a friend, he wouldn't know this information. So that's, I really do think that that's what's happening here. So that's my theory, yeah. my fan theory. That's great. That's a good theory. I didn't even think about that. I just, I was just like, sure, she's got a lackey. And I think I was just so like <laughs> caught, caught up with like, yeah, just the excitement of what, what it'll mean, especially because Caleb is always the bad guy. Like you all, like there's never a time when you don't think like, like, you know, he's conniving, you know, he's sneaky, you know, he's manipulative. In every one of the stories that he shows up, you know something bad is going to happen, and you're always rooting for his fall, even though he's helped and he does things. With Christina, I feel like because of the way that they're kind of mapping her out, and because she is being somewhat of a friend, that it's kind of setting up to almost care about her at some point. Like I, I want to see how she does any of this because if she acts in any way that Caleb does, then it's out. But right now, it seems like. She's kind of a friend and she mm. is helping where she can. Um, I just think like, you know, when it comes to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nurse uh, says uh, uh, rich hashtag people rich people got lackeys. Uh, yeah. I, I ref for that. I totally do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very interested. And I think like with her, like she got in the ring and that caused the issues that were going on in the ceremony, which was different from the book where Caleb they have the words the words of Adam that he's right. supposed to read and he's given him the the, the um uh phrase that he like, kept it in there that would cause the the disruption it's like she's still doing telling things word um but I feel like that's manipulative it's more of just like I want to see this thing fall down right right, right. and you don't so, see the words in this in in the show in the show she gives him like the ring 
which right. then it's like the unlocking of his powers. And I actually thought, and uh, I thought that was a, a, well, one, the special effects were good. And I thought it was a good scene. And I feel you on how you could almost feel like yourself caring for Christina, like, you know, trying to uh, figure out what her motivation is. And I don't think I, I necessarily locked on that, you know, she probably wants to see this torn down as well because of, you know, how, how she is being kept at arm's length from it, you know, uh, despite being a very dutiful daughter. So, uh, yeah, I, I think of that. Yeah. She says that thing, like, what did she say? Like, you know, I was born here. I, I could do anything that they do. And I won't earn this. Like, I won't have this, but you get it. Like, just for being that, uh, just because you were born a man. And then he right. said, and not even a white one at that. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. like that's how, uh, like, insulted she is. It's almost similar to the, um, was it Nell, Dell, the, the woman with the dogs, the sheriff. Oh, mm-hmm. her not very subtle at all racism. Right, mm-hmm. incredibly obvious. On the nose. I was like, bitch, did you just compare me to a black bear? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a black in my eyes. How about that? Because <laughs> she sure enough did. It's like, we can all be black today because we can beat your ass real quick. <laughs> well, she got an ass beat. She got an ass black beat. Because Letitia fucking Lewis don't Letitia play. Letitia fucking Lewis <laughs> don't play. <laughs> but, um... So, so, okay, so it's interesting because I actually feel the opposite of Caleb, like in, in, in the book. So in the book, I feel like Caleb is definitely manipulative and you never fully trust him, right? But I always feel like with him, race is never really the issue that he's doing anything, but he understands how race works and he's using it to his benefit, right? But not so much that that's, his personal feelings, but he understands that the world that he's operating in and he knows how to manipulate that. I find myself, so not to say that I trusted him, but I guess I didn't have as much distrust for you than of him than you did. Because actually when he would show up in certain situations, I would actually be a little bit relieved because it's like, all right, well, Lisa ain't going to go. Right. It's not going to go. As I, uh, somebody said that 2020 now just means when things go left, so, you know, it didn't go completely 2020, right? And it won't <laughs> as long as he's there. But I actually find myself not trusting Christina for the same reason of like that allyship of, of white womanhood in racial causes. It's like, yeah, they'll like ride with you to a point because it's like at some level, it's like they're not, she doesn't want necessarily want equality. She wants to be equal to the white men with power. Oh yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. so mm-hmm. I don't, I don't trust her for that reason, because yeah. I feel like, yeah, she's doing everything right now because it also benefits her. But the second it doesn't just benefit her, she could turn hard, you know, just hard left on you. I don't know. It's weird. And again, it's, and I don't, I don't mean it to make it sound like I trust Caleb, but I, I distrust Christina more. No, I, I feel you. I feel you on that. I think she's definitely out after her own agenda. Um, right. And just because it happened to serve our heroes today, you feel some level of, uh, I guess, empathy for her. But nah, she is just a distrustful little pale bitch. Fuck her. No, I, I, I hope she got hit by a boulder and she down there on her. Um, oh, oh, God. What, what was girlfriend from Game of Thrones who had a rock fall on her? Um 
at the end, the queen. The, the queen. Oh, Cersei. Cersei. Yeah, I hope well, she's down no, there. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. She hasn't quite been Cersei level yet. Well, and Cersei, look. And Cersei deserved a lot more than she got. Because I was that was one of the things. This like Cersei deserved so much more than she got. And I thought that was bull crap. But let's not digress there. Look, all I know is Letitia fucking Lewis took a bullet and Whitey's on the moon. So fuck that. <laughs> Yeah. Ali, but, um, <laughs> Eli yeah, Gorman says, said, yeah. trust in Caleb far as you could throw him. Felt you could throw him a little harder. Uh, once again, Ariel is 100% right. Don't tell her that. Um, and Isaiah Luck uh, is Letitia for the win. Always Letitia for the win. I'm about to be yeah. Letitia. Shoot. For somebody else <laughs> take it. Have it. I'm Letitia. Yeah. There, there's... um. Yeah, I, I think with 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 Caleb was the one thing I, I think about it is that I kind of knew what he was after all the time. And yeah, you did have that thing where you come in and you do some magics, um, and he was like sneaky, sneaky snake. Uh, with Christina, I feel like we're just like, what is she doing? What are you gonna do? What power do you have? Um, and like, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm excited. I'm excited to see her character because they re she's really driving it home like that she's an angry woman. <laughs> like Madison, yeah, she really is. Her whole, her Adam and Eve, like oh, and I was like, man, she sounds like me. <laughs> like at Thanksgiving dinner, like, and then the bitch Eve came in, right? She got to ruin everything. But <laughs> uh, as the church girl in the room, actually, mankind <laughs> did not fall until Adam ate the apple. So the Bible says that at Eve partook of the apple, she gave it to Adam, Adam ate, and then their eyes were open. So because the commandment was not given to Eve, the command was given to Adam. So Adam needs to own up for what he did. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I do yeah. think like that's the scapegoat of like women are evil because she gave Adam the apple. Adam, have some self-control. Learn that shit. <laughs> and like, yeah, I like, like, yeah, come on. Len is rolling his eyes. He's over there having a man moment. I don't <laughs> care. I said what I said. I said what I said. <laughs> uh, Tinsel and Tyne asked the question. She's trying to figure out how they drove into town right after breakfast, yet were on foot at dusk in a sundown town once again. Well, because I think, didn't they stay until daylight? They stayed because they were like, those things move at night. So once the whistle went off, I think they just laid low in the cabin and then started walking from wherever that was to the to the town or to the uh, the lodge because Woody is like out of out of commission. Yeah, I think they're talking about when. So they had breakfast outside. Yeah, today in this episode. Uncle George, oh, yeah, today, right, right. Yeah, because Uncle George is like they're being nice to us, so don't give them any reason not to, and they're watching you. Um, and then they walk to town. Uh, and then by then they're heading back, it's dusk. So that's when it's like, what is going on? Um, but I, I think it was like, there was a bit of time. Like, I think we just like got rushed. Yeah. Um, that's what I thought. <laughs> because, because of it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the town is like a ways away. Like you can see where the, the house is in, in relation to it. Um, and then, yeah, trying to find where, where dad is and seeing all the weird kids. I was like, what in the children with corn? Midsummer is happening over here. <laughs> you know what? I actually thought that I like I got what they were doing with the kids, like because it was like okay, something's something's amiss here, but it you don't get as much time in the town. 
So other than Dell or the chick with the dogs, I, I have to like double check her name. Um, there, you don't interact. You don't have any other real interactions with anyone in the town. And the thing is, the, the second they get to that little community, it's weird. Right. And so you kind of feel this foreboding like they're not being hateful. They're not being mean, but it's it's uncomfortable. It's weird. And you so you don't get that tension. So even when they're walking through the town, I don't even though in the background, it's like, yeah, what's going on with these people? It never feels weird until you have that. And so I thought I again, I wish we could have gotten I do feel like they could have they could have stretched this storyline out for three episodes. Because I, I think that would have, if you're trying to build tension and horror, like having those weird interactions where nothing actually happened, but it unsettles you, I think are important. Yeah, but I think that, uh, me myself, I've, I appreciated that it, again, the, 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 the brevity of, of the whole story in that aspect, because sometimes some of those scenes can become repetitive. So... Um, but I think so even if you just because they really only have that one scene when they're looking for mantras but even if not if they would have maybe given us more time as they're walking you know what I'm saying like not not it didn't need to be multiple scenes I get what you're saying there but I don't know I just felt like you lost something I I feel you Uh, I saw a a comment earlier I'm trying to find it Uh, Tinsel and Tyne was watching this oh uh, said that she would have preferred more build-up because she loves secret societies and immortality quests. I'm sorry that it got settled so quickly, um, but Nerd Soul didn't comforted her that I don't think it's settled by a long shot. There's other locations, I'm pretty sure, they won't be happy about the castle coming down. No, yeah, it's, it is not settled. <laughs> There's going to be some really exciting things happening. I am super pumped for next episode with uh the house that's like that's such a fun one um and yeah it's so fun there there's also so one other thing i wanted to talk a bit about was the conversation with george and montrose Mm. um about about uh, atticus um, Atticus. and especially because it makes me i felt like because there's a scene there's the scene where they're all confronted by the, these fake people, right? So, like, he's fighting the Korean woman, which we're to assume is the woman he called last episode. Um, and uh, Leticia has poor <laughs> romance with Atticus, and it's not real. And she opened up and was like, girl, we all been there. Um, and and but- in uh, Cardi B term, she got the King Cobra. Not a garden snake, but a King Cobra <laughs> leaning over. And it did. It was animated all its own. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh, Uncle George had the the woman who's not Hippolyta, so Dora Hippolyta, Dora. yeah. Um, and so that was, you know, a whole extra scene, a whole added level to what the show is. And I thought that was really interesting. Also, like that, the other two were so violent, um, and Uncle George's was not violent. His visit was not. And so I wonder what pleasure the people who were watching were getting from that interaction yeah. well well i'll tell you i'll tell you this and um and i shared this same feeling with a friend as we were watching it uh that 
the, the biggest takeaway, well, the first takeaway that we, we came from all three of those scenes was in relation to Uncle George's scene. And recognizing that this was somebody from his past who obviously meant something deeply to him. Someone who was no longer here because he says you're not supposed to be here. You're dead. Um, I don't think we, at the time, I don't think I recognized that it, maybe it was subtly hinted. I don't think I recognized that that was possibly someone that was involved with Montrose, Atticus' father. Um, but it was definitely someone from from his past. What I appreciated was that he still had feelings for her. It makes sense. We're always going to have feelings for her. Um, and because of, because it's she didn't it didn't end badly like she died right, right? exactly exactly and, yeah. but what I but what I also appreciated was probably in part because he was you know of his senses and peeping that it was this was not real he definitely for a moment was giving into it and I think what kept him anchored to the fact that it was not real was because this was not his Hippolyta, as he calls her. Um, and that his, his relationship with his wife and then subsequently his daughter is what kept him anchored from giving in to the temptation of this aberration that was in, in front of him. Um, mm. And that is something that I really, really appreciate. And so, and so did my friend that was watching it uh, with me. We both appreciated, you know, that depiction of, um, you know, a black man showing, even in absence of his woman, his devotion to the women in his life. And that could have been very easy for for him to, give in or for the writers to show him give in or a lazy writer to show him give in it's in an episode where you know what's going to happen to him at the end you know what mm -hmm. i mean and yeah. I, and i like that they didn't do that i, I really love that yeah. yeah black love yeah and, and uncle george is such a great character that you knew he, he couldn't last that long um but i do i do really feel that that is most likely like I, I think that woman is is Atticus's mom. Another right. reason why I think that is because in the woods, when he reveals, like, I know about your ancestors, I know your great 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 grandmother ran through here, and Atticus is like, he didn't tell my mom, or, or he didn't tell, she didn't tell my dad or me, but she'll tell you. And mm -hmm. it was like this whole like, it's like, why are you this this confident person for her? Like that she she would. Uh, disclose something so personal that, and, and for him to say like she was embarrassed, yeah, or that she felt ashamed, and so it's like you don't tell that to just anybody. Like if you saw like Letitia was confessing to Atticus because she loved him because she has emotions and feelings for him, yeah. um, <laughs> and then you get and then you get bit by a snake. What happened? <laughs> don't do it. Um, <laughs> just say no. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, it was. Yeah, I, I I love that that speech with, with George kind of pepping them up. Oh, and, I and love that. Him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's a great um, he's yeah. a great character. I um I actually because I had the note I was like Dora plus George equals Atticus. Um, 
And I actually re-thumbed through the book because I was like, do we ever get the mom's name? Because I was like, did they just tell us who it was? And maybe I just missed it. But I don't think they ever name her. So I think it is a safe assumption, especially with the conversation that they have on at the end where he's like, you might not be his father. It's like, we settled that years ago, you know? And, but, but George knows he's dying and he's like, but before I go, I need to make sure you're good with him because he's, he's all, you're all he's going to have after me. Right. Mm -hmm. So even in that, I mean, he's thinking like a father. I think, I do think that'll be an interesting turn, you know, if, if Atticus's parentage is, is, you know, different, different than we thought. But I also wanted to, um, talk about just that moment of them kind of experiencing these personal hells because it was one thing when you realize like oh man they're like spelling horrors onto them to kind of I guess you know punish them or kind of uh, scare them into uh, submission or whatever it was for their entertainment but, yeah, but then mm-hmm. when you take that step back and they're actually all looking at how each room is playing out I, I, again that like that um, voyeurism. And I felt the same way when he was being bathed for the ceremony, there was something voyeuristic Mm. about it. And I think it's just interesting because again, it's always this, um, I mean, that is, I think white people's like relationship with black people. It's like this, this hate, you don't even know why you hate, but you hate us. And yet you devote so much of your time (laughs) to like watching us, to, to trying to, not, I mean, not understand us, but a bit again, like to spend so much time, you created whole organizations, the KKK, because I exist. You must be thinking really fucking hard about me. You know what I mean? Right, so like, right. you know, again, you just see these like, again, these rich white men, you know, fascinated by blackness, right? Um, and then again, and, and again, in the case of Atticus, like this blackness that actually has rulership over us, right? You know, because they, they were salty when they had to get up from that table, right? Mm-hmm. And, yes, they were. But you know, so so it again, it's, it's it is like this really really interesting thing. Even when Samuel says to him, you know, your you know that is that that legacy is locked away, you know, in your in your blood, though it is diluted and you know corrupted or whatever whatever word he uses, tainted mm-hmm. or something like that. But it's like interesting because it's like uh, tainted. Your ancestor definitely raped Hannah. So who tainted who? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like so I think that like what is tainting and like like how we think of like this this marring of whiteness as a as opposed to like violation of someone else's human rights i just like all of that was like just very very interesting to me like like all of those layers and how that played out how they had it play out in the show nerd yeah. nerd show says whenever rich people put on robes watch out <laughs> That's yeah true. There's, there's a lot of like those like lines too like like what does he say? The I guess the KKK aren't just calling themselves wizards now, right? Mm. And she says we would never associate with the clan. They're too poor. poor. Oh yeah, that really yeah. hit me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was like, and and that's really it, right? It's like they, those are the sloppy. Like that's why you know she was fine hurting them and, and seeing them like you know uh, hit the magical wall that she made or whatever because they're beneath her. But it's like they're these higher ups these organizations that are holding it, you know, there's an insidious conspiracy <laughs> watchman, you know, mm-hmm. uh, within here that we're, we're not seeing. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I really enjoyed that line. There's a few lines throughout that are like that. And, and also like all the, um, they play a lot with the, the euphemisms or the, the, 
the rewording uh, of some of the abuses, like talking about the building of the house and, uh, you know, the mention of like, he was really well to the people who served him. And it was, he was, like, he was like, extremely like, kind. Yes. Yes. He was extremely kind. Or like, yeah, he, he they had many uh, people who worked for him and they were like slaves. And then it was like, he's yeah. very kind. And they were like, rape. Like, it was like yeah. everything. They, 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 made, they made their money in shipping. Yes. Slavery. Right. I'm sorry, but just talking about him being really kind, it made me think of Bernie Mac when he had that skit where he goes, the dick. And it's like, so I'm just thinking like, oh, he was really kind to me. Girl, what'd he give you? The dick. <laughs> the dick. <laughs> I just thought. <laughs> Oh yeah. Same, same story. But they but they had a relationship. It's like, uh, he owned her. There's that's not a relationship, my man. Get out of here with that. Um and that was that was William who said it too. So I wonder with the the theory of William and Christina being the same person, like those are like she has made similar remarks. So it's like they're on the same. Like she's like trying to placate them but also being real real aware of what's going on right and she's sneaky yeah she is I mean the whole time like I I feel like both her and William drop similar hints and that's really when I was like huh especially because William in in the show is behaving differently than William in the book and I was like well that's interesting why they're making those choices and then I was like wait a minute at no point have we seen William and Christina together and they look so much alike yeah. Right. And then we're dealing in this world of witchcraft. And again, knowing what happens in the book to another character, I was like, oh, that might be what's happening. And I, and again, I think I think that makes sense, though, because, again, if Christina wants to be in this place to manipulate things, it is easier to do that as a white man. Right. Like and, and, mm-hmm. and we all know that. You know yep. what I mean? It's like if I could just turn into a white man, go get this loan real quick. we all know that right so again i I, and again i I like i love that that all of the characters understand how the world works and whether they agree with those things or not they use they use their understanding of the world to manipulate it to Mm -hmm. hopefully get the outcome that they're hoping for um so i i I think that's been really interesting to just kind of play out in different characters because we're both seeing both white people and black people do it you know, because yeah. you understand. Um, well, it's kind of like the, um, like the the one of the goals of Get Out, like for Jordan Peele, was he wanted to kind of banish that white savior and like the whole idea that like there are no good white people in his movie. And Cap brought this up last episode. Like that was just, like the scenes that we saw were to show that. And in this this scene, like I think they're like, and in, in this episode, they're really building up Christina so that we can almost feel like. Uh, uh, the girlfriend in Get Out, where it was just like, oh, there's one good one for people who like aren't. <laughs> people are watching, yeah, like, oh, yeah. okay, you know. Uh, but you just like you just have to wait for her to pull them keys out of the bag and be like, mm-hmm. no, you're not going out. Turns out I've been doing this this whole time, uh, which will be exciting to see <laughs> because I feel like none, of, all of them, like especially Latisha, is gonna be like, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> not, not in a single moment did we think you were okay. Uh, yeah, but yeah, and you, 
I, now I'm like so hung up on this whole William and and Christina thing because like William has that whole line where he's like it's black tie and sorry like the Miss Lewis but uh, no women allowed. Right. But then he was like he was like hidden in the corner still. Right. Like, well, I, because I think you know William, whoever he is, he's not one of them. But they, it's almost like they tolerated his presence because he is a man, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically a a white man, because I, I mean, arguably he's not at a table eating, but he would probably be more welcome than Atticus and George, certainly, right? And 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 William gives him that piece. It's like you know they might not want you here. That doesn't mean you don't belong here. And I think that speaks to Christine. How, you know, they don't, oh, Christina, I'm sorry. They don't want her there, but that doesn't mean she doesn't belong there. And she's fighting for her seat at the table, even if that means she got to kill every other motherfucker at the table. <laughs> <laughs> the only one at the table. Like, Great. Um, so, so I guess, so talking about like Christina and her manipulating things. So when we get to the final scene with Atticus, I think, I thought it was interesting the giving him of the ring, giving him the ring because in the book he has a little more agency over what happens in that ceremony as he actually has to speak the words that changes the current that right. ends up killing the 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 rest of the lodge and and saving himself as opposed to just putting on a ring and then things happened around him. So I, yeah. I, I guess I didn't, enjoy, I didn't enjoy that change so much because I do like when heroes have autonomy and, and actually agency over what's happening to them. It's not just, it's not just happening no matter what they do. It's like he had to do something to have that outcome. And so he actually actively participated in the decimation of this uh, coven or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. yeah. Go yeah, because yeah. he chooses. He because he says you can read this. Like and he has a decision to side with Caleb over his father. Like he he makes that decision. Um, yeah, but I think a part of it, like they the by giving him the 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 visual of his ancestor of Hannah. That's her name, right? Yeah, Hannah. Hannah. Yeah. yeah, of being able to see her and you know and and to follow her out. Right. Like I felt like that was a part of of kind of translating it to the screen was mm-hmm. like he was still, like it, it's just that like his his history is helping him um mm-hmm. but it's still like like he can see that because of, of who he is and what he went through and so I feel like that gave him a little more more power um and it was I think that was a really beautiful scene especially because I was thinking of Letty's words where she was like that woman was pregnant and was running through these woods like and how scary they are and right. so as they're running through that hall that's all I was thinking of I was just like this this woman was just so like amazing like going to conquering all that and she has the book which we she, didn't get to see right yeah. but she's got the book and I'm like where's the book we gotta get the book now and so it just gets super exciting um but there is a lot of weird use of, of music because I, I was thinking when uh I was watching with, with subtitles um because I don't know the song, I don't listen to him. But Marilyn Manson came up. Yeah. And then I and then I heard it, and then I was just like, "What an interesting kind of plop uh, <laughs> to put like put this in here." And it kind of reminded me of um, the uh, the remake of The Great Gatsby when they were playing uh, like it was it like Jay Z I think at yeah. the party, uh, and yeah. it was like what <laughs> like. What? 20 like 1920s swinging party and we have that and that's kind of how I felt when it was coming but it was also like with 
like it was, it, it was paired very nicely with ominous white people. <laughs> it was. As you're trying to leave to have Marilyn Manson singing. Yeah. <laughs> like I was like, oh, Killing strangers. Yeah. I, do, yeah. I, I love it. But I actually, I also thought it was a little bit of a cheat because then we don't actually hear the language of Adam. Right. So yeah. it's not like. So nobody's going to come out speaking the language of Adam like they came out speaking Klingon and Dothraki, <laughs> like because we didn't actually get to hear it, right? Yeah. So I so I actually thought I again even with the again taking away Atticus's reading the words I think I thought it was a little bit of a cheat um, that and again for me more so I wanted him to have agency in that moment but you know I also realized wait man you can't actually hear any of them so I, this is like a cheat so we they can just be like you know, making, so whatever. Well, maybe we don't want to unlock it. Maybe there really is a language of Adam we don't need to be speaking. Do not read the Latin. I, I guess, yeah, in 2020, don't read it. Don't read it. If the book is dusty, and don't read it. It's 2020. Yeah. Just run through the burn house. Yeah, like. But, oh, but I did want to say something. So when you're talking about Hannah running through the house, now I did actually like that. I, again, I just wish he would have spoken the words and then she maybe would have appeared. Because I also think it it could be confusing if you're not understanding why the castle went down. Is like, is it the ring or is it Hannah in the mirror? Because Especially because she has the book. It's like, what's going on? Like, who do you credit this destruction to? I guess I found myself thinking like you could walk away from that wondering that. But I did think the scene is everything is collapsing, but the archway is still there and she turns and runs and he runs behind her. Because at first I was like, at what point, just like what caused the fire? And then it's like, oh, because she ran out in the fire. And so the fire is specifically engulfed around her because once she disappears, there's no fire. It's just the, the, the crumbling of the building down behind him so i i agree that was like a really really beautiful scene and she's looking proud like as he's running out it's like this look of like you know that's my baby like i feel like you know what I, mean? yeah. I just thought I, I i agree that was like a really really beautiful scene uh someone mentions that the subtitles um uh, of the Korean woman that Atticus was fighting mentions that she was speaking the language of Adam. Oh, right. And her name is Jia, Jiha, I think. Yeah, something like um, that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Which is interesting. I'm, I am interested at that whole series because I, I don't, she's, I don't know who that is. <laughs> yeah, and I think she, I think she's interesting because also in the first episode in his dream sequence, she is the Red Martian like the Red Martian mm-hmm. queen or whatever that feeds him to the Shugoth or whatever. And and when Jackie Robinson steps in. So again, it is like, who is this woman, friend or foe? You know, because he's calling her, but in both times that we've met her on screen, she's been trying to kill him one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, and he says something bad happened. Right. Like right after that. So, it, and, and even though like he had called her and there's something like unspoken there, like... It, now we know like for certain that it was not like it wasn't like he went over there and fell in love <laughs> like like something really terrible happened um yeah and you know they briefly kind of talk about PTSD for a minute um before it's just kind of like blown away but <laughs> i would like them to talk more about it sola gray says that it makes sense the spell that brought her there was cast in the language of adam so there you go 
as to explanation as why she was speaking it? The, the language of Adam, yes. Okay. So I guess it 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 was used in a way, in a sense, in in this um, in the show, not maybe just not used as the um, in in the way that that it is in the book, but they referenced it in the show, and that means that it could be referenced uh, again more. Right. Yeah, but not everyone watches with subtitles, so they need to just say it. <laughs> and I and I definitely watched it in subtitles, but I do not. I maybe I looked down or yeah, wasn't yeah. paying attention because I definitely didn't see that. Um, you might appreciate this, uh, Ariel. Nerd Soul says, uh, "Oh, I just missed it. Hold on." The, 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 the comments in the in the chat lines are, are flying fast, and I really appreciate it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Nerd Soul says the tick. He's got the glow now. He's got that glow. He got the glow. <laughs> well, that's all we ever want. The glow. Don't 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 let me find out when that. When you got the glow, when you need the glow, you need the glow, the glow to grow. When you love the limb, you live the love heart. You got to move to the upper level. <laughs> okay, let's not find out that Atticus' middle name is Timac. I don't need. Or... It's Bruce Leroy, Len. Show sure enough. It's Bruce Leroy. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the comments too. I wonder if the language of Adam would be that of God. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I, 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 but you know what? Maybe not because again, like the idea of Adam not only naming the creatures, but putting the creatures in their place. So maybe the language of Adam is that the language that Adam or God let Adam create, right? Because again, Adam was um, active in the creation process. So why not that be language too? So maybe Adam is bilingual and he speaks to God, but then he also created this language for man, which right. I think would be interesting. Mm. So. Nerd Soul says, shouts at Ariel, you know the really real. Uh, however, Solar Gray says, negative, God's language is too big for human Years, I think he meant meant ears there. Um, but I, I and I, and I would argue that's true. But if you're if you want to argue that Adam is the son of sons, so why wouldn't Adam be a little bit different? He'd be on a little bit of a different level than his descendants. I so again, I don't think Eve necessarily speaks. If we're going to if we're speaking of it this way, I don't think Eve necessarily speaks the language of God. But that doesn't mean Adam doesn't. You know? So Legrade says that Ariel gets it. Well, everybody is on Ariel's side tonight ladies and gentlemen so now Lynn's ready to end the show no, I'm not. no I'm he's not. about to drop me out of the studio <laughs> no I'm not but the one thing I do want to I do I I just kind of like want to speak on um is is just overall the acting in the show I mean you know like we've been going on about the story elements and everything like that um but the story in the show is only as good as it's one it's writing which has been st- Top notch. Misha Green has written the first two episodes. It's direction, which has been um, very good. I, I appreciated the work of Daniel Sackheim uh, in this episode, and especially the acting. Everyone has been on point. Journey Smollett, to use Ariel's words, is a treasure. A treasure. <laughs> but as I mentioned. Jonathan Majors, who I was introduced to and probably most of us were introduced to uh, in The Last Black Man in San Francisco, uh, independent film from 2019. And he does yeoman work in that in that movie. 
But if you saw him in that movie, you don't get the sense like his character is is totally the polar opposite of his character in this movie uh, in in Lovecraft Country in demeanor, in personality, and as well as in physicality. The man actually, he must have thought, this. I heard it was a superhero movie because he got buff. But he got I, buff. <laughs> I appreciate his t-shirts. Thank you, wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> but the, as I mentioned earlier, his, his scene when he discovers that Uncle George um, it has died is just heart aching. I mean, it just really and like the look on his face. I don't I don't know if I've ever or it's certainly been a long time since I've seen someone so anguished over the loss of someone in a film or on television. Just like to uh, Gabe's point earlier, the fact that they took a moment to have Letitia actually have to reconcile with having been dead and now being alive and what that looks like and what that means and giving and uh, taking a moment in the, in the, in the show to illustrate that, to show that. And you never see that. And to see his anguish, to see this, this very strong calculating disciplined black man break down in the way that he did on screen was absolutely 100% incredible and if you think that all they got in store ladies and gentlemen Journey Smollett just let people know in a tweet I'm I'm gonna show it here that she tweeted last night this is only episode two y'all y'all are not ready for the rest of this season Oh, be warned, you can't trust Miss Green. She has zero fucks to give, and no one is safe. And I just want to say, if that is the truth, then, you know, I, I, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I, 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 I need more tissues, because that was some incredible stuff. Right. And I think, I think another interesting thing is, like, because, first of all, he is relieved that she is okay. Like she's not limping over to him. She jumps out of the car, she runs. And so I think initially he's feeling maybe some hope that George is okay too. And then when she just shakes her head, like, you know, how quickly it all like falls through your fingers, right? But at the same time, he there is some joy there because she's there. Mm-hmm. But then there's also this this loss. And I think he did do a good job of like portraying those warring emotions, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right. The the I mean the I'm I'm excited. This is again aside from Hippoletta, which I'm trying to let slide. <laughs> the um like everything about the acting has been just dead dead on. It's like in a it's mm-hmm. a, a really cast. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited because it looks like next episode we'll get some more Ruby um, because I, I think her story is one that I enjoyed the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see how her character um, progresses in the show. Yeah, I'm excited to, to it too. And um, 
as as saddened as I am by the loss of Courtney B. Vance, I recognize that this will just be mean that we will have more of Matros, <laughs> which uh, it, which is always a good thing. Um, so uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm 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 definitely looking forward to it. Uh, Solar Green says Omar better bring it since Uncle George is gone. Um, oh, Omar, go, he, he, A, he'll always be Omar, right? And <laughs> just based on that alone, he's going to bring it. Like, I ain't even watched The Wire like that, but I know about Omar. <laughs> like, yeah. So he's, exactly. he's like an iconic dude at this point. Michael K. Right? Williams is the truth. And, and actually, I think, I don't think he does anything else. Like, he literally <laughs> has been on every HBO series that I have watched. I mean, I, he did do a movie though, I thought. He's not a movie and he did a um I think he did a show that was on um one of those uh, c- cable networks, Happen Finch or something like that that was kind of like a funky kind of funky southern gothic type of crime thing. Um but for the most part that man HBO has been putting his babies through college. <laughs> I ain't mad at him. I ain't mad at him. All right, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, uh, uh, I'll give uh, Gabe. I'm sorry. Any last words from you? I apologize. No. <laughs> okay. No, this is all good. <laughs> all right. Well, we. I hope that you have enjoyed uh, the safe triple travel guide to Lovecraft Country. All of you who have been uh, sending commenting in the chats on Facebook and on YouTube. Thank you so much. We try to get to as many of them as we can in the course of the show. We appreciate you uh, doing this, um, sitting in and checking us out. We will be here every Monday at 9 p.m. for your viewing and streaming pleasure. And our show will be available as a podcast uh, come the morning uh, on all of your podcast directories, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio. Check it out. If you're a subscriber to Black Tribbles, you will see us in the Black Tribbles feed. and Or you could just subscribe to the Safe Travel, Safe Tribble Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country. You can just uh, subscribe to that as well and email us at blacktribbles at gmail.com if you have any longer comments we would love to share them um, with everyone and give us a five star rating and a review because that'll help more people find our Lovecraft show and not tune into the other Lovecraft shows because there's a ton of them <laughs> I ain't gonna lie there's a ton of them ladies and gentlemen there's a ton um, but thank you for all checking out ours alright uh, the Black Tribbles we will be back here on this same feed Thursday this Thursday at 9 p.m. for our regular radio show where we will be concluding our top 10 summer and Ariel has selected that we are going to be doing the top 10 franchises of I'm all so time. I'm so mad about that. Yes. Like semantics! <laughs> That's yes. what I meant and now it's about to get bananas. Which like, franchise I- will reign supreme? Star Wars or McDonald's? Find <laughs> out this Thursday on the Black Triples. And Kennedy check- is so happy about this. <laughs> And check out The Ghouls Next Door, Gage's fantastic horror podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Check it out wherever you find podcasts, The Ghouls Next Door, her and Kat. They they get it in and they, they educate you as well as entertain you. It's, it's a fantastic, fantastic series. And you can check out Ariel at Amalgam Comics and Coffee House. They are open. They are taking orders. Um, so, so you can 
order things and come pick it up. They're doing like curbside pickup, or you can go to the website. A lot of the things that are in the store are on their website, amalgamphilly.com. Check it out, ladies and gentlemen. All right. This is the bad trouble. We got to get out of here. In parting, we say Letitia motherfucking Lewis. <laughs> we out. Peace.